Heavenly Father, we pray that you would help us now to understand your word, that we would hear your call, that we would worship you. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. When reading the gospel accounts of at the life of Jesus, there are lots of little details that seem to stand out. Small things that are mentioned in passing, and then the story moves on. And perhaps as you read, there are things that you wonder about, things that you would like to know more about, questions that you have about what happened. I have a few of those questions myself, uh, stored up and ready for the day when I finally meet Matthew and Mark and Luke and John and get to ask my questions. Our series tonight begins to answer one of the questions that I had. You see, both Matthew and Luke uh, tell us that, uh, sorry, Matthew and Mark uh, tell us that at the end of the Last Supper, It says this, when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Now, having been in a choir of some sort from the age of eight onwards, I always wondered, what is the hymn that they sang that night? And I would, you know, flick through the hymn book, but none of the the hymns in Mission Praise or uh, in uh, the church hymnal seemed to be old enough. So what was the hymn that they sang? I stored up that question. But now I know the answer. You see, within Judaism, there were set readings and set psalms for every day and every season. And at Passover, there were six psalms that were set. The psalms that we'll look at between now and Palm Sunday. Psalms 113 to 118, the Egyptian Hallel. So as we study these psalms in the run-up to Easter, we are hearing the songs that Jesus sung as he celebrated Passover, as he prepared to go to the cross to be our Passover lamb. So let's dive in to tonight's psalm, Psalm 113. You'll find it on page 614 uh, if you've closed at the Bible in front of you. And straight away as we look at it, we see that it is a call to praise. That's very obvious in the first three verses, isn't it? In each of the verses, we find the word praise or praise. I'm sure you know of the Hallelujah Chorus from Handel's Messiah. I keep trying to get Jean to let us sing it sometime in church, but maybe we'll get there someday. But that word Hallelujah is the first line of this psalm in Hebrew, where we have praise the Lord. You'll see a footnote, and at the bottom of the page it says Hallelujah. Uh, which is also in verse 9. 
So this psalm is an Old Testament hallelujah chorus, calling people to praise the Lord. It's the first line and it's the last line. So it's all about praising the Lord. But we're told much more than just to praise the Lord. We're also told the who, the when, and the where in those opening verses, verses 1 to 3. In the rest of verse 1, we find the who. It says, praise, O servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. So the call is going out to everyone who is a servant of the Lord, everyone who serves the Lord, to praise the Lord. And as we'll see, this isn't just a select few. It's not for those who wear robes or dog collars. It's for everyone who serves the Lord in whatever way. So are you a servant of the Lord? This psalm calls you to praise the name of the Lord. As well as the who, we're also told the when, verse 2. Let the name of the Lord be praised both now and forevermore. So when is the name of the Lord to be praised? Is it just for a short while? Just when it suits? Does it have an expiry date, a cut-off point, even, dare I mention it, a backstop? No, it's both now and forevermore. Both here and now, but also forevermore. The call is to permanent praise. So if it's now, if you can say it's now, then it's time to praise at the Lord. Because it's what we'll be doing forever. So why not start now? So we've seen the who. We've seen the when. But what about the where? Is it just in the temple? Just in Jerusalem? Well, no. The scope is much bigger than that. The call to praise goes out further. Verse 3. From the rising of the sun to the place where it sets. The name of the Lord is to be praised. I'm sure you know that the sun rises in the east, it sets in the west. So if the sun shines on you, this is a call to praise wherever you are. This is a worldwide call for worship. I wonder if you've ever been, but down beside the Odyssey in Belfast, Uh, There's the W5 at Science Exploration Centre. Through lots of uh, interactive uh, displays uh, and games, children are introduced to learning about their world while having fun. Uh, And the name W5 comes from the five W's, who, what, where, why, and when. We've already seen four of them uh, in this psalm, the what uh, of praising, The who, at the servants of the Lord. The when, at now and forevermore. And the where, all over the world. But the one that we haven't seen yet is the why. But that's what verses 4 to 6 
tell us. So why should we praise the name of the Lord? Why should we join in this hallelujah chorus? We are called to praise the high over all Lord. Do you see the sort of words that are used to describe the Lord? Verse 4, he is exalted over. Also in verse 4, he is above. Verse 5, he is enthroned on high. Verse 6, he stoops down to look. All those words combine to show us that the Lord is high over all. Now I know that today is St. Patrick's Day, but um, in Ulster Scots, uh, the word for uh, a chief executive of a company or the Ulster Scots Agency is high hygiene. Self-evident, isn't it? He's, he's the high head overall. But this psalm is telling us that the Lord really is high over all. He is exalted high over all the nations. Remember that these are psalms reflecting on the Passover experience of Israel, where the people have been slaves in Egypt. And so as the Israelites think of their past treatment at the hands of Egypt, or the current and future threats from nearby nations, and their time of exile in Babylon, time and time again they had experienced the height of the power of other nations. Yet they remind themselves that God is higher than the nation higher than all the nations. He is exalted high over all the nations. And linked to that, his glory is exalted above the heavens. Just think for a moment of the glory of the heavens. A glimpse of a rainbow. The majesty of a sunrise or the glory of a beautiful sunset. Yet God's glory is above the heavens. It's above and beyond anything that we can see. So why should we praise? Because he is the high over all Lord. And then to make the point in a slightly different way, at verse 5 asks the question, Who is like the Lord our God? The one who sits enthroned on high, who stoops down to look on the heavens and the earth. Who is like the Lord our God? And the short answer is two words. No one. Maybe that's one word hyphenated. I'm not sure, but a short answer anyway. But the question goes on to show why no one else is like the Lord. He is the one who sits enthroned on high. He is enthroned. He's on the throne. He's ruling and reigning over the world, over the universe. And so the use of height emphasizes his position. He's enthroned on high. And then verse 6 builds on that idea of height to show just how high over all he really is. 
It says, who stoops down to look on the heavens and the earth. When was the last time that you stooped down to look at something? Maybe it was in, in the shop or the supermarket when you, you, know, you stooped down to see what was on the bottom shelf or uh, maybe in the kitchen to stoop down to see what was in at the back of the low cupboard. Uh, myself, it was probably in a bookshop um, stooping down to see what books were on the bottom shelf. But the image carries the idea of getting down low in order to see something better. And what is it that God stoops down to see? The heavens and the earth. We look up at the heavens. But God has to stoop down to look on us. Because he is so high above us and enthroned on high. The theologians talk about transcendence. That that overwhelming sense of God's glory. So far that we've seen that Psalm 113 is a call to praise the high over all Lord. And you might be thinking that the why has so far been, well, a bit above you. Yes, God is high overall, but does that mean that he doesn't really know us? Doesn't really care for us? If he has to, you know, stoop down to, to see us. And that even when he does stoop down to see us, it, it, it's like us stooping down to watch creepy crawlies in the garden. A little ant running along the path. Well, nothing could be further from the truth. You see, God is not distant, aloof, or uncaring. You see, as Jesus sang this psalm with his followers at the first, uh, sorry, at at the Last Supper, at, at the Passover, Jesus had more than stooped down to look on the earth. He had stepped down to become a man, to become one of us. And why did he do it? Was it just out of interest? Just a way to pass a bit of time to see what it was like to be human? The way that the story goes that the Duke of Edinburgh, Prince Philip, has his own black cab that he used to drive around London incognito just to you know, see what was going on in London. Doesn't drive it anymore, I'm sure, but anyway. Um, But no, Psalm 113 tells us why the Lord is worthy of praise. Did you notice back in verses one to three that in each verse it mentions the name of the Lord? Your name is more than just what people shout out whenever they want your attention. Your name refers to your character, to to what sort of person you are, who you are. And God's name is to be praised because of his character. He is the loving, caring, redeeming, saving God. He's the covenant God. And that's what we see in the closing verses. 
The Lord stoops down to look and steps down to save. Do you see the verbs, the the doing words in verses 7 to 9? Here's what the Lord does. He raises, verse 7. He lifts, verse 7. He seats, verse 8. And settles, verse 9. He comes down in order to lift up. He comes down to make a difference by saving and redeeming. So in verse 7, it's the poor who are raised from the dust. The needy who are lifted from the ash heap. They're down and out. They're desperate. They're destitute. They're in the lowest place possible. The the dust and the ash heap. But the Lord intervenes. He steps down into the muck. In order to raise them. And lift them. And where does he lift them? He seats them with princes with the princes of their people. Paupers are seated with princes. It's a real rags to riches or rags to royalty type of story. It's what Graham Kendrick captures so well in his song Meekness and Majesty when he says in the final verse, Lord of infinity, stooping so tenderly, lifts our humanity to the heights of his throne. This is why Jesus came. And why the next day Jesus will go to the cross in that down, down, down descent that Philippians 2 records. Making himself nothing. Taking the form of a servant, humbling himself, obedient to death, even death on a cross. But it was for us that Jesus came. Down, down, down. In order to lift us to be with him. It's so amazing and it's all of grace that's why it's so shocking that as they eat the Passover as they sing these songs with Jesus the disciples are busy arguing about which of them is the greatest they have been chosen to sit on the twelve thrones the princes of Israel by God's grace don't deserve anything yet they want to make sure that their crown is bigger and better than everyone else's the Lord's character is all of grace to save and rescue he raises and lifts and seats but verse 9 reminds us he also settles the barren woman in her home As a happy mother of children. Through the Bible there are a number of times that this has happened. The one that springs to mind is uh, the case of Hannah. The mother of Samuel. And indeed verses 7 and 8 in this psalm are a quotation from her song in 1 Samuel chapter 2. 
Hannah herself was the barren woman who was given at the child Samuel. But there were more besides Samson's mother, Elizabeth, the mother of John the Baptist, and Sarah, the wife of Abraham. She waited for her promised son, Isaac, for 25 years before he was born. And it seems that Sarah is in view here as the mother of the children of Abraham. Because in view is the family of Abraham, the the children of Israel, the people of God, God's family. Together we are being brought into God's family, God's household through Jesus, our Lord and our Redeemer. Perhaps as Jesus sang this song with his disciples, as they shared the Passover, he was reminded again of what his mission involved and what he would accomplish the next day as he died on the cross. Through his death and his resurrection, we see more clearly what our God is like his name and character, his uniqueness, his universal reign. And it calls forth our praise. And so, Psalm 113, the first of our Passover praise psalms, is a call to praise the high over all God who came down to raise us up. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we praise you that you are high and lifted up. But we thank you that you are not distant from us. We thank you that you are the God who is near. That you are the God who saves. Father, we ask that you would help us to rejoice in your salvation. That we would know your power in our lives. We ask that you would intervene. That you would indeed rescue and save. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.